Coming up, I'm going to discuss Governor Hochul, Mishpacha Magazine, and a tweet by Yochanan Dunn blasting Governor Hochul. And Yochanan is 100% right. And the real question is, should from Jews, should Haredim vote for a woke radical like Governor Hochul? That's coming up. So now we have President Biden blaming the gas stations. The, those greedy gas stations, they think just because they're paying exorbitant prices for gas, that gives them the right to charge consumers exorbitant prices. I mean, the gas stations, they should just lose money so that Biden doesn't look so bad. Meanwhile, Biden is still insisting that the economy is just fine. Well, which, which one? You can't have it both ways. Which one is it? Are, is he, are you blaming the gas companies or is the economy just fine? I'm literally go- going to play you clips of President Biden and his advisors talking about how strong and healthy the U.S. economy is. You cannot make this stuff up. I mean, they do not realize how silly they sound when Americans cannot afford gas. Americans cannot afford groceries and to pay their monthly rent. And you got Biden on TV and, 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 and Biden's advisors on television talking about how the economy is, is doing great. It, it would be like, you know, Biden trying to convince you, you're, you're, you're really from planet Pluto. I know that you think that we're all on Earth and you think that we're all humans, but you really are on planet Pluto right now. I'm, I'm telling you, you got to trust me. You've got pointy ears. You've got three eyeballs. Plus, we have a clip of Kamala Harris laughing uncontrollably about people struggling, unable to afford gas. Kamala apparently thinks it's it's a big joke, which Kamala usually, when when, when there's a crisis, usually Kamala, you know, like the border. She'll just laugh it off. Everything's just a, a big joke to her. And Elon Omar, vicious anti-Semite Elon Omar, was booed by a bunch of Somali Muslims at a concert. Somali Muslims, her own countrymen, booed her. All of that is coming up. But as I said, we'll begin with Governor Hochul and the Frum community. And specifically, here's what I want to discuss, the following question. Should the Frum community vote for Governor Hochul? Should Frum Jews, Frum Yidden be voting for Governor Hochul? It's a very – in the general election in New York State in November, it's a very simple question. And to me, there's a very simple answer. No way. No way. And I'm putting politics aside here. Obviously, I'm always going to support the conservative, but that's not even the point here. The point is, how could any from Jew, how could any Haredi possibly justify? And I'm open. I want to hear from you. I want to hear, you know, defense if you, if you have one, some kind of justification. But Hochul put aside the fact that she's a radical woke leftist. Her, her leftist. Her her policies are completely immoral. Governor Hochul's policies down the line contradict. Torah values fly in the face of Torah values. Governor Hochul believes in abortion. Not only is she pro-abortion, but she literally believes in abortion until the moment of birth. So they it's pure retzicha. They, they murder the baby. The baby is completely viable. In the eighth month, in the ninth month, right before the baby is born, they will abort the baby. And what, they starve the baby to death? I don't know. So that is that is Governor Hochul's policy. And by the way, Lee Zeldin, whom she's running against, is is pro-life. And now more than ever, obviously the abortion issue, now that the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, could have a massive impact on who the governor of New York is. doesn't mean that they're going to outlaw abortion in New York. That's that's probably a long shot, but, you know, they might ban it in the final in the final trimester. That, that's a very big deal. Governor Hochul embraces all the crazy immoral stuff that's going on 
by the radical left right now, being pushed by the radical left, all the crazy gender things and everything else. So she, her, Hochul's policies are on assault on Torah values, and she has not said anything. How about the New York State Department of Education trying to infiltrate yeshivas, trying to force yeshivas to teach more secular studies on Leslie Mude Kaidish? Um, they're on a jihad. The New York Department of Education is on a jihad to try to I- I- invade yeshivas, and Hochul has been totally silent. Meanwhile, you have these from Asganim, they give her a lot of money. You know, so you have these from organizations. There's a lot of leaders in the from community in New York. Some of them have endorsed Governor Hochul, and many of them have given her a lot of financial support. In return for that, wouldn't you think that they could get her to say, listen, I defend the yeshivas. I'm going to make sure that, you know, we quash this attempt by the Department of Education to try to force the yeshivas to teach, to, you know, to teach less Limude Kaidish. I mean, uh, so and she's not said a word. What does that tell you? She's not defending yeshivas, despite all the support she's getting. So clearly, she's not a friend of the from community of the Haredi community. And 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 let's add to that. Of course, she supports the no cash bail. She's pro criminal. It's because of her that crime is surging out of control in New York. She refuses to fire. She has the right. She's the only person actually who's able to fire Alvin Bragg, the woke D- Manhattan DA, and. Um, Governor Hochul obviously does not plan to do that because she would have done that already. So my question is, could Governor Hochul be any worse for the Jews than she currently is? I mean, is there any issue, name me one issue where Governor Hochul is actually on on the, the, the Haredi side of things, actually supports the Haredi policy on anything. To me, she's like the worst thing that could happen. You know, So I understand that there are some in the Haredi community who have endorsed her. And maybe, you know, maybe it's a money thing. Maybe they think that she's going to have these government programs. Maybe she's already giving a lot of money to the firm community. So I understand that could be a factor where, listen, we choose the money. Yes, there's all sorts of immorality. Yes, there are all sorts of policies that we don't agree with. Not to mention, you know, the, the surge in crime really truly impacts the firm community because of all the anti-Semitic hate crimes that are happening as a result of Hochul's policies. But it's all about the money. It's all about the money. Maybe it's because they think that she's going to win. So they want to pick the winner. They want to make sure that when she wins, she knows she had the support of the from community. But to me, I, there just is no justification. Again, if somebody disagrees with me, I'm open to hearing it. And here you have Enter Mishpacha Magazine. Mishpacha Magazine and other Haredi media, they made numerous requests from Governor Hochul, from her campaign, asking for an interview, yet she refused to be interviewed by the Haredi media, by Mishpacha Magazine, by other from news outlets. And now I want to be clear, she did not technically refuse to be interviewed, but they kept pushing it off. They kept stalling. So they they essentially refused to do an interview because they wanted an interview before the primaries. And Hochul kept saying, we'll do it, we'll do it. And then, of course, they never actually got, got around to doing it. Why is that? Very simple, because she's afraid. She knows she's going to get asked tough questions, questions she's not going to have answers for about the issues that we mentioned, about the secular studies in the yeshivas, uh, you know, about many of these other issues. So Yochanan Dunn, who's a writer for the Ated, a writer for Mishpacha magazine, he tweeted, you know, he put out a tweet blasting Hochul, and he essentially said, um, you know, that, that, that she refused an interview with Mishpacha, and he essentially said, listen, you've got to think twice before you support, if you're from Jew, before you support and endorse Governor Hochul, you know, why was she not willing to answer some basic questions 
about these policies, about abortion, about the, the secular studies. And look, remember those of you who say, well, listen, she's going to win. She's in New York. It's so, it's so overwhelmingly Democrats, the Hochul's for sure going to win. So you have to support the front runner because that way, you know, when she's reelected as governor, she's going to give back to our community. I'm not buying that. I, I, I think that we have the best chance we've ever had of a Republican governor in New York because in many, many – obviously there has been one Pataki years ago, but uh, I think this is a great chance. This is the, the one of the best opportunities we've seen because look at New Jersey because right now Biden's so unpopular. The Democrats are so unpopular and there are so many independents who are going to just vote Republican down the line in November because they're so fed up about the economy and and, and about all the other craziness that's going on. Think about the New Jersey governor's race last year. Remember Phil Murphy, Jack Cittarelli, nobody thought Cittarelli, all the experts said that it was going to be a landslide. Nobody thought Cittarelli had a chance. And yet Cittarelli came extremely close to a major upset. Cittarelli came way closer. I mean, what was the difference was like, what, 40, 50,000 votes or something like that in, in, in New Jersey, millions of people voting. So uh, the Republican can get, in the even in a very, very liberal blue state, like New York and New Jersey, in a year like this, a, a Republican can have an uh, incredible, incredible turnout. Um, so I, I think if, if if people rally around Lee Zeldin um, and if he raises enough money, he actually has a fighting chance. Now, there are some people who defended Hochul as far as not being interviewed, and they said, listen, what do you expect? There's some, some people who said, listen, of course Hochul's not going to be interviewed by Mishbacha, because they're right wing, they're pro Trump, they're hostile to liberals, so she's going to avoid Mishbacha magazine, and 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 that's not the point. That's not a defense at all. Because Yochi Dunn, that wasn't what he was trying. His point was not. Listen, Hochul has no right to avoid the Mishbacha magazine, the Haredi media. That wasn't his point. His point was very simple. His point was she's avoiding. You can't avoid the media and say I don't want to answer these questions. And, and, and tell you my position on these Haredi issues that are so important to our community. And then you, you expect us, well, we're just going to vote for you, blindly vote for you, because that's what we do. We always vote Democrat. So, of course, that's what our leaders are telling us to do. If, you, if you're going to alienate Haredim, then you should suffer for it in November. That was his point. All right, let's get to the other news of the day. So as I said, here are some clips of President Biden and his advisors talking about how strong the U.S. economy is. I mean, do they realize how silly they sound getting on television and telling people that the economy is strong? Yes, I know interest rates are sky high. I know that inflation's out of control. It costs you $100 plus just to fill up a tank of gas. But trust us, the economy is really you know, doing great. So here is a clip of Pentagon spokesman John Kirby on Fox News claiming that the economy is incredibly strong. Take a listen. The president spoke this week about inflation. Let's play it. I can understand why the American people are frustrated because of inflation. But inflation is higher in almost every other country. Prices of the pump are higher in almost every other country. We're better positioned to deal with this than anyone, but we have a way to go. But let's take a look at inflation numbers for major economies. There are many with inflation lower than the U.S. And as of May, average inflation in G7 countries is lower than it is in the U.S. 
Are we in a better position to deal with inflation? The American economy is incredibly strong. I mean, we're still at 3.6 unemployment uh, under President Biden's leadership now. In just the first year, 9 million more jobs were added. Uh, That is not an economy that's in a recession. Uh, And the president's right. We have the foundational elements here in the American economy to weather through this and to to come through it uh, strongly and and good on the outside, on on the other end of it. There you have it. The American economy is incredibly strong. That's a direct quote from Kirby in that clip. The American economy. Why is Kirby? By the way, why is John Kirby? He's a Pentagon spokesman. Why is he even talking about the economy? But the uh, the American economy incredibly strong. You literally have Biden in the beginning of that clip. Biden is claiming that uh, you think inflation's bad in the U.S. No, inflation in other countries is much worse than in the U.S. And it's not true that 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 Fox anchor literally debunked what Biden he, he literally exposed Biden's lie. And he actually showed on the visual of that he showed a graph and the United States literally has the second to highest inf- in, in inflation um, in the world, I believe, you know, amongst large developed eco- developed economies. So the inflation in the U.S. is out of control. This Biden narrative is a bogus claim where they try to convince you, oh, yeah, no, you know, it's really great. The economy is strong and healthy, and it's really the other countries that are much worse. And, and, and Kirby's asked about that point blank, and Kirby says, oh, no, we're – we're really well positioned. He kind of he kind of pivoted there. You noticed, in other words, he didn't say, "Well, yeah, actually, Biden's right, and the inflation is worse worse everywhere else." He was caught, so nothing he could say. Well, but we're really we're we're, we're going to do a great job of getting out of it. We're we're positioned so well to get out of. Yeah, listen, it's it's bad, but it's not a recession, and uh, we're going to do so great because we have it's a foundation, and it's like. Here they go with the lies, lie after lie, and they think we're still going to buy it, right? Remember they told us, yeah, uh, inflation is happening, but 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 it's just transitory. It's just temporary. And then, you know, that was debunked. We all knew that wasn't going to be true, and then it turns out it wasn't. And uh, now they're on to the next narrative, but it's not a recession, but we're going to bounce back really quickly. They always say whatever lie they need to say, thinking, oh, yeah, well, you know, we're going to outsmart the American people. And it's like nobody's buying it at this point. I mean all people know is they know how much they're paying – to fill up a, a tank of gas, and you know that's that, that that's all that matters to people. They don't care about. Well, you know, it's technically not a recession. I love that. All right, don't worry, guys. You know, you can imagine the Biden people strategizing. Well, let's just tell them it's technically not a recession. Nobody cares. It's like they're going to go. You think they're going to go to the polls in November, and they're going to say, "Listen, I can't afford to buy milk for my kids. I can't go on a trip because gas prices are so high. Mortgage rates are out of control. I can't buy a house. I can't afford rent." But it's not a recession. I, I checked what the economist said, and when you look at the definition, it's not a recession. We're technically going to – all right, I'm going to vote for Biden. I'm going to vote for, for a Democrat for Congress because it's technically not a recession. That, that's not what people care about. They care about how much it costs to fill up the tank of gas. All right, now listen to this next clip of Brian Deese, Biden's top economic advisor. CNN asked him – there's a new poll, 85 percent of the country believes – that um, we're on the wrong track. 85% of, of, of voters believe the country's on the, on the wrong track. I would add, by the way, that the other 15% are either on heavy drugs or are dwelling in a cave. The 15% who, who, who did not say that the country's on the wrong track, I mean, what are they smoking? And can I have some? Because I'm kind of jealous of them. But listen to this clip of Brian Deese. You know the numbers are from the latest poll. This is from the AP and ORC poll that shows that of U.S. adults say the country is on the wrong track. 85%, that's up from 68% in March. 28% of Americans approve of the president's job performance, specifically on the economy. You have made it clear that the president gets it. 
But it, it appears that increasingly the American people do not approve of what this White House is doing. What's your reaction to the assessment of the job the president's doing? Look, these are uncertain times and when prices are high, uh, people are uh, understandably frustrated when they're pulling up at the gas pump, and uh, that is, that's understandable. Uh, and at the same time, uh, it is our, our job, and it's the president's firm conviction, uh, that what he can do as president is to take every responsible action that he has. Um, and we have, uh, and also remind the American people that even as we go through this challenging period, even as we move through this uh, transition, uh, we also have made historic economic progress. And that's not uh, t- uh, to suggest that people shouldn't feel the anxiety that they feel. Of course, they, they do. So we got multiple lies there by Brian Deese. You know, my, number one, Brian Deese says the president's doing everything he could possibly do. How about drilling? How about fast-tracking leases, oil drilling leases, for companies that are desperate to drill, but th- the Biden administration has been not allowing them to either get leases or to get permits. They, they've been leasing land, but they don't give them the permits to drill. So then the Biden people say, well, what do you want? We're giving out leases to oil companies. Yeah, but you're not letting them drill. They actually need permits and you're refusing to give them permits because of environmental restrictions. And he says, well, we've made vast economic progress. The Biden administration has made vast, as I said, nobody cares, but you have not. What, what vast economic progress? What are you talking about? I mean, the economy is in, in shambles. It's a disaster. And the only economic progress you've made is is historic inflation. I mean, we haven't had inflation these levels in 40 or 50 years. The market, the, 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 the bear market right now, the stock market has plunged worse, more quickly and, 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 and worse than it has in over 40 years. So yeah, you're making history. You're breaking all sorts of records, but they're negative records. All right. So here's a clip of Kamala Harris talking about the price of gas and actually talking about people trying to make well listen listen to listen to this clip of Kamala. Yeah, what we need to do domestically, what we need to do to bring down the cost of gas. Uh, well, right? Uh, right? I seen a meme the other day that said me Googling online how to make gas at home. Okay. Ooh, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Please don't do that. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, there's your campaign commercial in 2024 if Kamala ever decides to run for any political office again. I mean, uh, oh, th- let's try to raise the price of gas. Cue the laughter. And then everybody just starts cracking up and laughing. And then they go on and they say, I saw a meme of people trying to make their own gas. It's not a joke. I don't know people trying to make their own gas. Many people try to make their own baby formula, um, which is another Thing that's totally Biden's fault and still has not been fixed, by the way. And uh, then they laugh even harder. Oh, don't do that. No, don't do that. And they're just all laughing and having a party. These wealthy people, these millionaires on a stage at some forum that Kamala was at, laughing at, at, at how millions of Americans, including millions and millions of Democrats and low-income Americans who, who voted for Biden and voted for Kamala are, are, are suffering right now. And let's just laugh. I mean, it's, it's Marie Antoinette. It's let them eat cake. All right. Meanwhile, most of the country does not want Biden to run for re-election in 2024. And think about this. So you have over 70 percent of Americans do not want Biden to run in 2024. I mean, as I said, what what does somebody what kind of heavy drugs does somebody have to be on to want Biden to run? But I'll tell you the answer. I think, you know who wants Biden to run in 2024? I want Biden to run in 2024 because obviously that's going to give the whoever runs against him the best chance of winning. I mean, Biden has zero chance of getting reelected. I mean, it, it's it's terrifying. You'll say, listen, yeah, but even on the remote chance, they might just steal another election. So Biden could get reelected because a lot of all those deceased people vote for him again and all those mules delivering 
all the all the fake ballots. But uh, here's the thing: more Republicans want Biden to run in 2024 than Democrats. What does that tell you? This is according to a new Harris poll. Literally 71% of Americans do not want Biden to run for a second term. And trust me, any reasonable Democrat, any rational Democrat is wishing that Biden does not run and that Kamala doesn't run. Um, only 30% of Democrats would vote for Biden in a Democratic presidential primary. That's according to Mark Penn, co-director of the Harris Poll survey. And by the way, according to this poll, even Trump, 61% say that they don't want Trump to run again in 2024. 39% say Trump should run again. But listen, Trump, he always has a cap. There's always, you know, he always has his loyalists, and then he always has his group of people, even Republicans, even some Republicans, not many, but but a lot of independents who say, oh, you know, I don't like his nasty tweets. I mean, was the economy surging under Trump until COVID? And then even after COVID, the recovery was extremely record, you know, record fast. But uh, they still, they don't want the mean tweets. I don't know. They don't want January 6th. Meanwhile, as I said, Biden telling gas stations to lower their prices, those those greedy gas stations. I mean, uh, the gas stations, they do not – their margins are very, very slim. How about instead of Biden yelling at the gas stations, how about – even Jeff Bezos, by the way, even liberal Jeff Bezos who owns the Washington Post, even he was mocking Biden on Twitter saying that Biden, if he's blaming the gas stations, he does not understand basic economics – how about if Biden, instead of the gas station, why don't you try incentivizing oil companies, promising them that there won't be regulations to deal with if they decide to drill for oil, that you won't cut into their profits? How about fast-tracking the drilling permits, as I mentioned before? And here's the amazing thing is gas stations, on average, make about $0.15 cents per gallon and just $0.05 cents per gallon after expenses. So – Gas stations, their markup of the amount they're buying oil for, the amount that they're buying gas for, and the amount they're selling is is very, very minimal. In some cases, gas stations just break even on the gasoline. They just want to bring in customers so that they can sell products at their convenience stores, which has higher profits. So the margins in these gas stations to begin with are very, very low, and that's why Bezos is on Twitter mocking Biden, saying that Biden clearly doesn't even have a basic understanding of how the market works. Meanwhile – Biden actually got praised by China, by the Chinese Communist Party. You cannot make this up. Biden's tweet um, complaining about the gas stations, saying, why are you charging so much money? So China, you know you're in trouble when China is actually supporting your economic policy. The president of the United States, his economic policy is being supported by China. That's not a very good sign. Here's a quote from Chen Wahua, China Daily's EU bureau chief, he, he's in, in response to Biden yelling at the gas stations, he said, quote, now the U.S. president finally realized capitalism is all about exploitation. He did not believe this before. So they're bashing cap. They're using this to bash capitalism. And they're right, because what Biden right now is taking a very communist approach saying, hey, the gas stations, they shouldn't be profiting. It's a time of war. You can't be uh, you can't you can't be charging uh, in accordance with the amount that you that you, that you paid for the gasoline. You've got to lo- you got to lose money, and and, and so the Ch- China the co- Chinese communists they look at this and they say, oh, the United States president finally realizes capitalism is all about exploitation. What are they saying? They're saying that when you want profits, that when you're a company that's actually trying and, and look at the irony here, China, China talking about how capitalism is all about exploitation. China, the biggest exploiters in the world. I mean, this is pure propaganda. China. They are they are as evil as they come, and um, 
but they, but they, but they're saying, listen, China Biden's blaming the free market. They're a hundred percent right because that has been the Biden narrative. Is who's he getting angry at? He's getting angry at companies. Why? Because companies actually want to turn a profit. If you want to turn a profit, then Biden turns you into a monster. Then you're the bad guy. And that has been the theme. Greedy oil companies, greedy gas stations, they want profits. You know, what, what does Biden want? He wants them to give away their products for free. He wants them to actually give away gasoline at a loss. And, they're, and, he, and he makes them out to be bad guys because they actually have the nerve to want to make money. Uh, you know, and this, is the, this has been the Biden leftist radical agenda and narrative, except when it comes to Pfizer, right? Because Pfizer making billions of dollars off a vaccine, and uh, somehow that's okay. Somehow that, that's not corporate greed. It's only when it's the oil companies that bother that, – that, that, that suddenly Biden gets offended. They're giving vaccines to two-year-olds who are perfectly healthy and um, making billions of dollars, and, and, and that's somehow th- – that's not a greedy company. It's only when the oil companies are literally just trying to stay afloat. All right, a listener asked me the following question. You know, I, I was upset. I talked last time about how – um, Russia is getting rich as, as a direct result of the Biden sanctions. Russia is actually getting rich um, because the price of oil is so high and Russia is selling oil to so many countries around the world. The United States is actually struggling. Look at the irony is these sanctions are supposed to be crushing Russia and helping, you know, well, helping Ukraine at least. And uh, they, they, they should not be hurting the United States while, while, while they enrich Russia. That's exactly what they're doing. And here's what the, the listener said. The listener said, hey, you were the one who supported these sanctions. You thought the sanctions should have even come earlier. Talking about me, I wanted Biden to even sanction Russia earlier than he did to prevent the invasion to begin with. And now I'm going around and uh, saying – reversing my course seemingly, which I'm not as I'll explain, and saying that uh, we, we the, these sanctions are actually hurting us and helping Putin. And the answer is very simple. The answer is no. I haven't changed one bit. I still do believe in the sanctions. And by the way, if the sanctions had come early enough, there would never have been an invasion. It would have deterred Russia. And if they had loaded up Ukraine with weapons, just like Trump did, um, this whole thing would have been averted. But, you know, so I blame Biden to to begin with for allowing this to happen. But and then, you know, once that happened, once the uh, troops withdrew, from the border of Ukraine, if that had happened, which I think it would have, then we could have lifted the sanctions. Everything would be fine. So this is squarely Biden's fault, but that's not even my point. My point is you think if Trump, let's say Trump um, squeezed Russia with sanctions and then suddenly Russia got rich because the price of oil went up. You think that Trump would let, would, would let the sit by and let that happen, let Russia get rich while the United States is struggling so much? He always figured out a way. He was so strategic. Biden, he doesn't even care. I mean, they, they, you know, the White House, they keep saying Biden's doing everything possible. You have Jean-Pierre. Biden's doing everything possible. What's he doing? What's he doing to try to lower the price of gas, lower the price of oil? Nothing. They can't point to a single thing that he's doing. They just say that same silly line over and over again. Everything's doing everything possible. He's he's thinking so hard. He's in there. Sometimes he'll think about this issue for three, four hours a day. He'll, you know, he'll crunch up his eyebrows and he'll sit there in deep thought let me think. How can I help? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm so focused on this. I don't actually do anything, but I think and think and think, which, which he doesn't because he doesn't have the cognitive ability to do so. But either way, there are so many options here to strategize. First of all, the real reason that Putin's getting – who's the number one buyer? The number one buyer of Russian oil. It's still the EU. It's still the EU. So those, the sanctions were supposed to prevent the EU from buying oil from Russia. But the problem is they made these loopholes. E, the EU is desperate. This Putin knew this. Putin knew all this. The EU is desperate 
for Russian oil. They're they're completely reliant on Russian oil and Russian natural gas. So they're sitting there buying Russian oil and Russian natural gas in massive, massive numbers because they have nobody else to buy it from. And what about the sanctions? So they made loopholes in the sanctions. So the sanctions are a joke. The sanctions, if they did real sanctions, which means that no, no Western country, no NATO country, including the EU, could buy oil and natural gas from Russia. Russia's economy would crumble. But that's not what they're doing. They made these sanctions, and then they put in all these loopholes, which essentially makes Russia rich, and all these other countries struggle. Plus, Biden, there are so many ways that he could lower the price of oil for the United States. That's my that's my real issue. I mean, he could he could, he could open up all sorts of reserves for drilling in the United States. He, he, he could allow fracking. He could open up the Keystone Pipeline. There are so many things you could do. The minute that Biden would announce pro the uh, policies that are pro-oil and, and, and pro-natural gas, pro-American energy companies, the price of oil and the price of gas, the price of these, you know, these um, energy sources, it would plunge overnight because it's all based on speculation. It's not actually based on the reality. It's based on the future. So that's the issue is the issue is that Biden himself um, just refuses to do anything that would actually help the oil companies because it's about the climate. Uh, and by the way, this is unbelievable. I have another clip for you here. Brian Deese again. He actually said that that day that, that, that Biden said, listen, how long is it going to take? He was asked, how long is it going to take? How much longer do Americans need to suffer? He, and Biden said, as long as it takes. It's going to take as long as it takes to beat Russia, to beat Putin, right? So Brian Deese, White House top economic advisor, he actually said that it's the liberal world order. He said that Americans are struggling the, with these high gas prices because we're trying to institute the liberal world order. The liberal world order. You can't make this up. Listen to this clip. Well, what do you say to those families who say, listen, we can't afford to pay four eighty-five a gallon for months, if not years. This is just not sustainable. This is about the future of the liberal world order, and we have to stand firm. The liberal world order? This is a bombshell. I mean... He's admitting it. You have Brian Deese admitting that this is about the new world order, the liberal world order, that this is not about Ukraine. This is not about crushing Putin. This is about the climate. I mean, this is this is about liberalism. I mean, that, that, that the Americans need to suffer. Listen, you're suffering for a good cause. It's for the liberal world order. I mean, how is this not like on every newspaper around the country? I mean, we know why. All right. Meanwhile, Elon Omar was booed. She was on stage at a concert for some Somali performer. She's from Somalia. She's a she's a Somali Muslim, and she was booed by a crowd of Somali Muslims in her hometown of Minneapolis. And they told her, they said, "Go home, get out of here." Literally, these 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 people booing Elon Omar said, "Go home, get out of here." Now, remember, what does that echo? Remember, remember who else told Elon Omar and the other members of the squad? Rashida Tlaib said. Get out of the country. Go back Go back home. Go back where you came from. Remember who said that? That would be Trump. Trump said that. Now you have Somalis. You have actually Somali Muslims who are Elon Omar's countrymen. They are They are telling Elon Omar, go home. Get out of here. Go back Go back where you came from. Trump, remember, he was an Islamophobe. But, but when he said that, oh, he was vilified. They, people got so angry at him. How dare he? And he was just making a point. You know, they, they basically accused him of racism. And his point was very simple. His point was, don't come to this country as a refugee. Rashida Tlaib left, you know, she was in Palestinian Authority. She's a Palestinian. Elon Omar left Somalia. And you come to the United States, and then all you do is bash the United States. How dare you? How dare you? You know, if, 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 if where you came from is so much better 
then the United States will want you to go back there because because it's a cesspool, because it's a hotbed of, of terrorism, and uh, it, it's a third world country. That was Trump's point. He was 100% right. All right, California is going to provide th- free health care. Oh, I want to make another point here about Elon Omar, which is that, you know, why are they, why are her own people telling her to leave? Why are they booing her? Because she's so not likable. I don't think it's because they don't believe in her policies. I don't think that's the issue. It's that they despise her. See, sh- she's so negative. She's so angry. And um, th- th- there's no likability. This is very important. You know, Elon Omar, Ocasio-Cortez, Rashida Tlaib, these are bitter people. These are vicious people. And they're, they're always negative. They're always yelling about something. They, they, they are really, really just nasty, vindictive people. There's no likability there. And that's why they're booing her. And, and, and it's interesting, and I'll explain why. Barack Obama. Barack Obama it, it has a likability factor. Barack Obama, his, his, his supporters like him. Democrats like him. I don't like Barack Obama, obviously, because Barack Obama, he, he, he did so much damage to the country, to the United States, and you know, he, he literally goes against everything decent that we stand for. So obviously I'm not going to like Obama, but that's because I see right through him. But in other words, he he, he had a positive message. He inspired people. I, I, I can admit that even though I don't like the man, but his own people, I mean Democrat voters and even a lot of independents, you know, they admired Obama. They they viewed Obama like on a pedestal, and you know his 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 strengths, his charisma, and his likability, you know, were very very strong. You know, it's hard for me to admit it, but I I, I got to be honest here. That that's just the reality. So Obama had that. There are other Democrats. It, it's rare. Pelosi doesn't have it. Schumer doesn't have it. You know, it's much more rare. Democrats are just angry and bitter and nasty. And, and, and Republicans, it's hard to generalize, but most Republicans are not like that. But that's the point. My point is Elon Omar and uh, Rashida Tlaib and, and, and the squad to an extreme. That's why you have Elon Omar literally being booed by her fellow Muslims. Trump, on the other hand, I mean, he's a marketer. Even in, Trump is an egomaniac. I'll say that. He's kind of narcissistic, but it's, he's always focused on the other person. He's always focused on the crowd. He's focused on others around him. So with Trump, it's not like all about him. And, and he's not negative. Yeah, he'll, you know, he'll have these lines. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll bash once in a while, but it's always in a, in a humorous and in an amusing way. And, you know, his just, his whole posture and his whole tone is very positive, very inspiring. All right. California is going to provide free healthcare to illegals at a massive cost to taxpayers. So the state of California will become the first in the nation to provide free health care for all migrants living in the U.S. illegally. Uh, that's about 764,000 California residents. By the way, it's a lot more. You know, that's the, 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 the media is always going to estimate much lower. So you, there's no way there's only 764,000 low-income illegals in California. I'm sure there are millions, but they're estimating a cost of $2.7 billion a year um, to, to, to cover – uh, illegals with free health care, free Medicaid, but I, I, I suspect it's going to be many, many billions more than that. And I'm sure New York State and other blue woke states will follow next. You know, but then it's like, then they wonder why California, it looks like Guatemala. Guatemala. I mean, uh, what do you expect? I mean, why not just put up a billboard that says all illegals just come to California because you're going to live like a king? Um, all right, that's going to do it for today, and we will see you next time.